welcome to the Gem of All Mechanisms, uh, the BCS podcast, where we talk to people that are making IT good for society. Today, uh, we're talking to Jamila because she has a really interesting angle on making IT good for society. It's the way things are portrayed. So uh, first of all, can I say hello, Jamila? Hi, Brian. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, lovely to have you. And now uh, we've, we've talked a few times over the last years, but um, so I know what you're doing but the audience don't. So can I ask you just to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your history and then we'll come on to your current project. Sure. Okay. Um, so it's a, I guess it's a perfect storm for this. Um, I have a background and a, a degree in artificial intelligence. I'm doing a master's degree now in illustration because that fits together, obviously. Um, but uh, as a technology reporter, as my main career, I've been writing about obviously technology and AI for a long, long time. And one thing that was very frustrating about that was the depiction, the images um, that you would see attached to all of the stories that we love to read about tech and whether that was either misleading or, you know, a, a problem or not quite a good match. And it's it's a hard problem. Um, but now I'm working with organisations like Better Images of AI and BBC R&D to try and work on finding a library of images uh, so that other people won't have this problem quite so much. So they've got some options. Lovely. Now, of course, that's going to be of interest to BCS for a number of reasons. One is that we do a lot of content. We have a member magazine and we have a website, as all the listeners to this will know. Uh, and two, of course, uh, the way things are portrayed affects the way people think about things. So what is the big problem, as far as you're concerned, with the way AI is portrayed? Hmm. I think I think there's a range in, in the problem. There's sort of a, a scale and it can go from being a bit silly. Um, so you might have a story about an advance in AI and the publication will put uh, the story up. The text is great and the interview is lovely. The images of the Terminator. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we kind of get used to like rolling an eye and like, you know, even the general public, you don't have to be trained in this field to understand that that's probably not an accurate image. But it is a bit misleading sort of, you know, in the theme. So, you know, it goes from that sort of end to more subtle ends, which I think may be, I don't know, dangerous seems a bit of an incendiary word. But I, I do think it's appropriate here when something is misleading that you've got um, embodied AI in robotics when maybe that's not necessarily the case with the story that's being written. Mm. Um, and this changes the general perception of the public. As I say, not everyone is terribly interested in getting down amongst the weeds and doing the mathematics behind a neural network, and they shouldn't have to. But AI does have a wider impact on society. So, you know, everyone has a stake in this technology. Sorry, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat. <clears> it's all right. Pardon we can me. momentarily. <laughs> have a sip of water. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> mm. We can always edit later or I'll just leave this in because it's a bit of human interest. I'm, I'm quite, yes, yeah. Don't worry about human people. I'm not a bot. I got a frog in my throat and I'm not an AI generated interviewee here to talk oh, to Brian. That's good to know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a bit of a scale from stuff that can be quite subversive. And, you know, if you choose an image with um, different, say, different colours in it, if you've got red in there, it denotes things like danger. And, you know, maybe it's not a dangerous story. Maybe it's just AI, which it, it, I guess it's how we use it. People who, who are listening to this will probably realise it can be a, a difficult technology. It can be a data problem. Um, it can be dangerous. It can be fun. And it can be something to be very curious about, which I hope people are. Um, but I think it's very important how we explain this to wider audiences that we try and get it right. 
Now, to get really sort of specific in amongst the weeds, if for those organisations that can actually afford picture researchers, you know, mm. of which we are not one, um, <laughs> is there a lack of understanding just just at that level? I'm thinking, you know, you might see a, a, a subheading robot, robot process automation. We know that's a bit of software. Maybe a researcher sees the word robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It, it is an ecosystem problem. Um, and so, you know, in, in in cases that have picture researchers, all well and good, um, sometimes even large um, news organisations, they may have picture editors and reporters and also a picture desk and maybe and also a, a nice big picture library. Maybe they're using one of the big photo libraries. And quite often we like photographs, especially in editorial. It has a different feeling to illustration. I know that some of that's changing and it goes through fashions about what we like to see. Mm. Um, but the the breakdown of the problem sometimes is that the reporter will know maybe exactly what's going on and what kind of images work, but they might not get a say in things like the headline and the image that's chosen. The editors are trying to work very quickly and, you know, everybody knows what it's like to be under that kind of pressure to get a breaking news story out, especially in technology. It moves so quickly. It's exciting. You just need an image that's going to catch people's eye, make them want to read the article. Whether that's accurate or not could be down to the fact that you just have no options. Maybe your image library is just a stack of robots and it's nothing that will help you tell the story. But, you know, it's beginning to be a vernacular that people understand. Like they see it now. If you're, you know, some of us will grumble about it, but I think a lot of people will see and not be surprised by a glossy white humanoid robot in a strange slightly surreal pixelated space and that is shorthand for this is going to be about AI. Yeah absolutely I mean one of the pictures that I remember we used quite a lot in the early 2000s I'm going to fess up here at BCS was was a robot hand pressing a keyboard pressing an an ordinary keyboard you know because it just (laughs) seems such an easy way to say it does it but of course now when I see that sort of thing it uh, irritates me a little bit. Um, I suppose what you're saying is that, that sometimes these things are a little bit inevitable. I think they are sometimes. And, you know, when I think we work in an area where the technology is not, how to put it bluntly, it's not a very sexy image. Mm, no. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not the funnest technology. It's not a visual technology in that way. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're if you're working on it, it is visual. You are looking at something usually, unless you're a blind developer. I've seen um, also blind AI developers reporting on how they feel about this sort of thing um, but it's it, it's quite a hard one to summarize and make exciting and we end up leaning on metaphors and mm. metaphors are great in art I have more of a problem I think when it's down to accuracy and reporting um, so it's it, it, it's it's a tricky balance I'm not I'm not I can't place the blame squarely on anyone otherwise obviously no. it's an interview <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yes, quite. Um, we we um, have covered lots of different AI stories. And um, in, in the end, because we have actual imagery that we have to use, that one of our brag guidelines is photography, which I know you, you know is a very common thing now. So when we've covered um, DeepMind and chess and Go, it, that you know it lands up being chess pieces and and, and boards and and then when we cover weather which we've done recently it lands up being a picture of rain um we, we tend to pick the other thing is it does, do you see that happening a lot yes and in some i don't disagree with that um because the impact of ai is quite often what the public will see or experience mm. um so 
you know, if you're using a if you're using a, a Siri or Alexa or something like this and with some natural language processing in there, um, you're, you're probably not. Maybe you have never even seen what what that looks like in terms of code um, or, or strategy or mapping. Um, so and that, that's fine. That should be the experience it should be nice and smooth. I, I really quite like ambient experience of technology where it's not nagging at me to do something and it feels mm. very natural. However, the other side of that is going to be sometimes a lack of understanding. But then again, I quite like the the analogy that um, so I, I'm very into cars, um, very unfashionably into cars because I'm interested in like the combustion engine. Spent a long time learning about that. Now, uh, you know, electric cars are going to be obviously much cleaner. So I'm not I'm not saying people go back to combustion before I get letters. Um, <laughs> but you know, many years ago, it was just interesting to be able to get under the bonnet of the car and work out what's what's happening or what's not in some cases yeah but it doesn't require me to understand how to be a mechanic in order to drive the car so you know when we're using ai in society i don't have an expectation that people need to understand how it's working but i would like them to understand some of the concerns sometimes um you know maybe you need to change the oil <laughs> in the car but you don't have to maybe build an engine from scratch yeah absolutely so i think the balance that um we've always struggled with uh, which uh, you just feeds into what you're saying here is particularly when you use your natural photography is that one thing you don't want to land up doing is having lots of happy people pointing at screens which is which is the other extreme isn't it of, of total blandness where you're not saying anything it just becomes a sort of decorative element of the page and nothing more yeah, and it's sort of, I mean, media at the moment, I mean, this is this is why I say it's an ecosystem problem. It's quite complicated. Media is battling at the moment for attention, for eyeballs, because, you know, they want the advertisers to, you know, feed in the money and make it worthwhile and say loads of people are coming to our website to read this. So, you know, you can spend your ad dollars on our site. That's great. And so you want an image that attracts people to your page. And, you know, unfortunately, if people were taking I don't photographs of me when I was working my AI degree, swearing at my laptop with my grumpy face, wearing my pajamas. You know, it might be entertaining in one sense, but it's not going to sell. The technology is like the bright new horizon of where no. we're headed. No, absolutely. So I, you know, I'm sure there are podcasts that um, um, are dedicated to the tropes, but um, the word algorithm spelled out on um, building box. It's not very interactive either. It's not very <laughs> engaging either, is it? <laughs> it's really tough. I mean, I've been guilty of using uh, building blocks, but to my defence, it was a story about education. Uh, so they right. were children's spelling blocks. So, you know, if there's a reason for that, then yes, I can absolutely agree with it. But, um, you know, it's it really depends on what your, your options are. I mean, there's some great websites who have some brilliant specialised writing on them that are not able to afford access to massive libraries. Yeah. So, you know, work with what you've got. And I understand that. And I think the AI community will be reading those sites and I guess kind of switching off the part of our brain that gets irritated about these pictures because we want to read what's happening. But I think when it comes to mainstream publishing, it, it really needs to change. Okay. So now we, we've agreed that the, the Terminator became passe about 18 years ago or so. Um, <laughs> building blocks might work if you misspell the word and have one of the letters around the wrong way, maybe, a la Toys R Us. What have you found in, because I know you've been doing a lot of work on this in the last year or so, uh, might be more effective? What, what, what new language could we perhaps evolve 
Without giving away all your secrets, obviously. Without all of them. Well, the thing is, I'm in a way, I'm happy to give away. I have no secrets on this because if other people start doing it, then hopefully things will start to change. Right. Um, there are some there are some language aspects that are useful and some that are less so. But, you know, it, it is it, in a way it's sort of cancelling out things that are incorrect and making options available. So, yes, you do need some images of people using computers and yeah. familiar ones. And things these will always need updating. Because if you think back to images of people using computers in 1998, it's quite different to the way we're looking at them now. And you will spot it a mile away <laughs> that yes, it's a, a retro photo. So yeah. that's always going to have to be updated. And that's fine. I think representation is going to be key. Um, there is an, a story that I won't get into details of who and where, um, but in adding a, an image of what appeared to be a woman's hand with nail varnish on, um, typing attached to an AI story or a technology story, was criticised by somebody else as, why have you got a picture of a woman typing? I, yes. I don't even know where to start with that, <laughs> no. because you know, it's, it, obviously that's the problem of the person who's making that critique. But, you know, it, it, it does like there's no reason why that shouldn't be an appropriate image. So it, it is actually just a little bit more subtle sometimes. And we've got some great images in the Better Images of AI library, which is growing. Um, so that's really nice. There are things like depictions of networks. Um, so you've got nodes and lines joining them. That is becoming a little bit more common as a, a sort of understanding what this is and what's nice about that in some of the research that I've done is that some people will understand that it's a technology thing if they're not versed in AI. Technologists that I speak to will understand that it's a form of network. So we're starting to bring those audiences together and I think that's really important. Um, but I think the depiction of people is also really important too because that's where the impact is. So in fact some of these stories could be more easily serviced um, with, with regular images. So if we're talking about healthcare and you want to put an X-ray up, I don't have a problem with that. If it's AI about X-ray images, that's perfect. It doesn't have to be a, a technical picture. Uh, just thinking about your sort of, you know, perhaps using lines and representations of, of networks and nodes, is there, is, is there an understanding that people might understand what a decision tree looks like and that sort of thing? I think so. I think I think these sort of um, broadly, I mean, I know people will argue with my terminology, but this is an area where the terminology hasn't been set. So we can, mm. we can all debate that on Twitter, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I think uh, broadly technical drawings can be used. Um, and if you want to make them, I don't know, more appealing in a general way, we, we have the software now to make beautiful layered images and you can use photography and work with things like uh, images of decision trees um, or neural networks um, and overlay it. And I don't think that takes away from the photographic element of something. Um, and also you've got things like um, the, you, you see the little boxes when you've got like, you know, visual identification software running, um, which comes from a genuine, genuine pieces of software. So, again, I have no problem with that, although mm. it does look I, I think it's been used so many times in a negative light that it can feel a bit dystopian. Yeah. However, if if it is correct, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. So I'm, I'm, I'm much happier to see something technical that might might make one person ask what is that and go and look it up then great yeah absolutely so um here's another question for you then this is going to be a difficult one but i'm going to oh, ask good. you anyway <laughs> how, how do we twist the arms of the guardians of our brand mm. to get them to do this sort of thing 
to move beyond it doesn't always have to be natural pictures and so I'm not asking this on my for my benefit <laughs> I know this is quite a common thing yeah no it's, it is it is difficult and as I say this is why I keep going back to an ecosystem so if you're a reporter and you're not happy with the images that are being applied to your stories talk to your editor about solutions and it, it really yeah. is about coming with solutions because nobody likes to have a row at work do they you know they just want to get the news out and do a good job and you know on a good day I hope everyone is heading towards that in editorial that's all we want to do yeah. um, but there do need to be discussions in the way that sometimes you know it doesn't have to be about AI if there's a bad image on a story that needs to be changed in any subject I think that should be open to discussion um, but it is it is having that discussion and it is talking to picture desks. And if you negotiate and you're a buyer or a subscriber to a large picture house, speak to the person who you've got that licensing deal with and ask them what the alternatives might be. Or if they think, you know, if, if people are getting feedback, then I think there's a chance you can't change something if you don't know. No, absolutely. So. No. So tell us about better images of AI. That's Is that a website people can go onto now and download stuff and it is a website i have to i have to say i only consult with them it's not my website but i do love it um so i'm more than happy to you know uh, it's a website it's got a blog so it's got lots of different um aspects of ai not just editorial um things like a discussion about whether or not the use of a black box literally in imagery is useful or not or does it let people get away with stuff um i have to my disclaimer is that i've written pieces on there too there's a delightful interview with a blind developer so we're asking you know about different forms of accessibility and understanding of, of what something should feel like or look like um and it's got work on there also related to people like um oh, dr beth singler is is fantastic you you will recognize the the Sistine Chapel painting of uh, the creation of Adam. So you've got the two fingers. Right. Uh, I'm obviously doing this visually on a video call for the listeners at home. <laughs> the pointing of fingers together, God and Adam being created. And I it's can usually... confirm to the listeners that that is what's happening. <laughs> you can Go verify this is true. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, it, there's so many. I mean, that, that issue is just drenched in so many problems you know whether it's a judeo-christian view of ai whether there should be a robot hand in it at all you know what are we communicating there and you know beth's brilliant at looking into that it's also connected to people like dr jen chubb who i'm fascinated by her work please go and look it up um she is looking at the sonic framing of ai so when you're watching a, a film about ai i mean fair enough like you know if you're into ai you probably like a good ai movie it will have its problems and we kind of take that bit of our brain out and put our feet up. Always, it's going to be yeah. quite fun, you know, because I, I suspect it'd probably be quite boring if it was, <laughs> it was entirely if it was accurate. accurate. If it was accurate, <laughs> it might be a bit dull. Yeah. Um, but she looks at how, like, what kind of noises do you hear when technology appears? And like quite often there's these like spooky bass tones and stuff. I won't, I won't go into it all. Please go and look at Jen's work because it's, it's really fascinating. Um, and of course, on the better images of AI, they've got a library of better images. So these are free and open source. And so it's not going to cost editors anything. The license is open. You can use the images. And that's what's really important. That's why I really love working with them, is that they're not putting barriers in the way of using better images when you need them.
Lovely. Uh, that's really interesting. I, I like the idea of the, the of the Sonic uh, palette for accompanying these things because uh, there must be a sort of there's history. You can see this, can't you? If you're into this sort of thing, because I'm quite into synthesizers and stuff. Yes. It's, it's, it's evolved, doesn't it? In, in, in the fifties, it would have been a theremin, and then it would have been yes. a, a mini mode, then it'd been a Yamaha DX7 doing the noises, and we come down <laughs> the line, don't we? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 absolutely fascinating the history, and also you know she talks to sound designers. You know, kind of what do you choose from your toolbox which is not yeah. my t- I mean, I'm, I'm a visual artist so I don't use sonic toolbox but um yeah it's really really fun to think about something in a way that you just haven't approached it before yeah that the Jamila has been really interesting so I'm going to ask you one more thing that I ask everybody that I talk to which is their inspiration stuff I think you probably mentioned a couple of them but but tell us who inspires you maybe in 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 the graphic design and in the AI bit as as you know mm. as you're into the uh um, the AI side specifically as a, as a computer scientist. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I have a, have a stake in it that um, I look to other women in AI. Mm-hmm. Um, when when I started out, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I did my degree quite recently uh, as an adult learner. Um, but, um, you know, it, again, it was very male dominated. And the people I was interviewing or talking to were all men. And, you know, that's OK. You all have your place. Um, I'm happy to share. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't as though there were that many female role models unless I was starting to, like, really dig. Um, I'm not saying there aren't any. So, please, again, please don't write in. Um, but, you know, <laughs> look, look for other women because there's a lot of women in AI. There's a lot of women of colour in AI. Mm. And they are asking the questions that need to be asked. I mean, we know the common problems about recognition, facial recognition and understanding people of colour when it comes to especially visual AI. And if it wasn't for those pioneers, these questions wouldn't be asked. We'd just still have a white middle class male database of faces. And apparently that would represent everybody. And it's it's clearly not good enough. So those people are my inspiration. Um, I am inspired by artists that somehow accidentally have these um, images that that do actually lean into AI. Um, so I'm a big fan of. Um, oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pick up his book because I can never remember his surname offhand. It's because it's Christoph Grunberg. Okay. Um, will recognise immediately some of the design. Whether he's done this on purpose, I honestly don't know. I, I'm gonna have to track him down one day and try and talk to him. But um, okay. It's really quite inspiring visuals. Interesting. Thank you. Um, I was wondering whether um, Edvard Munch, uh, the screen might be the uh, inspiration for a lot of AI stuff. But, uh, anyway. Uh, I think so. <laughs> uh, Jamila, can I thank you so much for speaking to us today? I've really enjoyed it. Oh, a pleasure.